Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, a patron prompt brings us to the world of the law. But before we get into that, remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, go to our Twitter over at Let's World Build. Or if you want to get in contact with us a little bit more easily and a little bit more directly, you can go to our Discord channel where we have all sorts of great discussions happening over there pretty frequently. Of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, like our patron Commissar Whiskers with their prompt today, you can go to our Patreon where you'll get access to patron-only exclusives like episodes, Discord channels, and uh, double-length episodes, which is this one. We're going to get into it, but we're getting there. With all of the shilling out of the way, let's get into the prompt. Again, a big, huge thank you from one Commissar Whiskers longtime patron, longtime listener, and their prompt is, I'm pulling from a couple of recent episodes for this prompt, but the story revolves around an uncompromising agent of the law. They enforce the values of the socialist utopia the nation fought so hard for not so long ago. Not everyone is satisfied with their lot in life, though, so they lie, cheat, and steal to get what they want. Those people dread the attention of the agent and their compatriots. The tenets are, the government restructuring was less than a generation ago, but many relics of that time are around. Residents have taken to decorating and repainting them to try and diffuse the oppressive feelings of the past. The second tenet is the old society was built big and wide. The entire story could easily take place within one district of the city. Out of town exists, but most residents will never see it. So with all of that out of the way, we dive right into it. Let's see what Peach Trees is all about. So Courtney, why don't you get us started today? Tell us what's so dreadful about this world or not so dreadful. <laughs> Yeah, so to address the decorations that were discussed in mm. one of his tenets. It's uh, children blood? Well, we'll see. Oh, damn it, I was joking, <laughs> Courtney, no! Uh, no, no, it's uh, so the decorations and paintings that the residents have been doing on those relics aren't purely aesthetic, because in this world, the visual nature of objects relates to their abilities and functions. Uh, kind of like the orcs in Warhammer 40k, where they paint stuff red to make it go faster. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I can I can definitely support that. So there's a psychic imprint whenever they're painting or or, or uh, creating art in some way then, right? Something like that. Like, I, I don't really have a detailed thing in mind for this. It could be some sort gotcha. of technology. It could be psychic stuff. It could be something magical. But whatever the case, it's how they decorate objects affects how they function that's amazing and i love it so art has a material effect on the world yes exactly as opposed to art now which doesn't yeah. <laughs> art does not have a direct effect yeah. on the world <laughs> art has done nothing for no one at any point in any time during history. literally nothing yeah oh, yeah what i mean is um <laughs> like there's more steps involved yeah. for art to have an effect on the world whereas this looks like it's a direct material effect 
Yes, it's more. Yeah, um, I I tease Daniel. I tease because <laughs> I I mean we're artsy folks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, let's just not get drowned out in the corporate nonsense, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Oh, so maybe that's like even what it what had happens like the oh. old society, the old government. I'm picturing like this very capitalist. Uh, lots of like Chrome and advertising mm. and and stuff like that. And now this sort of socialist utopia has arisen and they've ripped apart all the advertisements or redecorated them, repurposed them into some other thing. Mm. I, I do. I do appreciate the idea of, um, of repainting a corporate logo to give it a new sense of purpose or like mm-hmm. function, you know, like that's, that's kind of an intriguing concept that we can run with. I'd be curious to see um, what's the mechanism for it happening. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously we don't want to define it yet, but you know whether it is like you're saying a magical effect or a technological effect mm. or something. Mm-hmm. Else. It's um, midichlorians, actually. Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell me all about that bacteria. Oh god, they they spray some midichlorians on stuff. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Question. Uh, mm. This is a complete fucking tangent. I don't care. I need to talk about midichlorians. You brought it up. Can't you just inject midichlorians in your body? Like, right. Like, how come everyone doesn't have access yeah. to the force all the time? I mean, once they're fucking technological like that, anything's possible. Right. It's fucking dumb. Like, how yeah. is how yeah. is the entire universe not focused on, like, biomedical innovation <laughs> yeah. through midichlorians? Right. Just sucking them out and dumping them on embryos. Right. Yeah. Like, like, like okay, look, if motherfuckers can revive dead people, like, how is that not right. the mm-hmm. most heavily researched yeah. thing in the world? They should be like hunting down Yodas and just squeezing them like oranges. <laughs> uh, squeezing them or juicing them, Daniel. That's what yeah, you're really going to ask. Way. Yeah. Uh, like, and I guess that's what Mando is trying to do, but whatever. No, 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 that is not what Mando is trying to do. You saw that weird ass lab where they're going to take them. They're going to they're going to squeeze. Them. Oh, yes. OK, squeeze. Yes. I thought you were s- suggesting that they were going to palpate, but no, that's no. Uh, oh, Yes, that's exactly what they're going to do to him. Oh, it's short for Palpatine. Palpatine. Oh, that's why. my God. Same. That's how he got Palpatine as the name. Yeah. Yes. Oh, this is a fucking. I, we are not even 10 minutes into this episode. And we are so off the rails already. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Yeah. Speaking of corporate nonsense, right? I'm going to suggest that a major force in the world are the remnants of a fascist corporatocracy. And those are the people who are not satisfied with their lot in Mm -hmm. life, right? So they're trying their best to reignite and to revive this fascist corporatocracy that was previously Mm -hmm. in power. That's my first time. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. remnants of perhaps an extremely bourgeois class, Mm -hmm. you know, that uh, held a lot of power and now have been disempowered. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they are the remains of the wealthier families from previously and they're trying to regain that wealth and that power. And status too. Mm -hmm. It's, It's one of those things where it's like, my money once brought me status. Now that's no longer the case. How do I get status if I don't have money? You know, like mm-hmm. the, the kind of like deep seated core values that capitalism can actually infect upon people, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that opens the door too to some interesting, um, like if you had a terrorist faction mm-hmm. and this were more of a communist society instead of this purely socialist one, you could have 
like factories that the government has reclaimed that they're attacking, mm-hmm. you know, that used to be theirs. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. 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 Like that's kind of the underground movement, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. OK, so there is a big movement in conservatism to suggest that conservatism is the new punk rock, which is. <laughs> what? what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 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 a complete load of shit, obviously. Right. Because <laughs> interesting. Yeah. But but I like the idea that like the rebel force are actually the bad guys in this one. And it's like, oh, no, yeah, yeah. No, the, the, the rebel uh-huh. force actually just want fascism back. So, yeah, right. The rebels aren't always the good guys here. You know, mm-hmm. it's an interesting reversal for sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I think that's kind of a fun conceit that we can mess around with as well. I mean, you could even depending on how you wanted to write it, like one challenge, for example, would be because it would be kind of like an Ayn Randian task of making the rebel capitalists somehow very sympathetic and their cause interesting enough that you sympathize with them. Like that would be a task and it would be very interesting to do. Not to say that's what we're doing, but I mean, yeah. like that would no, be no, like no, a cool challenge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, I think yeah. that that is an interesting conceit. Mm-hmm. However, my brain is just like, no, yeah, I don't think we no, want to <laughs> like 404. Like yeah, hard. Really? You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Although, I mean, realistically, right, like, I think there's a fairly simple way that you can square that mm-hmm. in that the traditional sense, right, or like the traditional trope is rebels are the good guys, right? right. So mm-hmm. just by introducing a rebel faction implies, okay, we got to pay attention. Okay, so, underdogs, right? Right, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And then, like, maybe part of that narrative conceit or the fun part of it is just Oh wait, no, they're awful. Like they're, yeah. they're really yeah. they, they deserve to be put down in a rebellion. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I do think that it would totally work if you like start telling the story from one of their points of view and then mm. at some point reveal like, wait, you're just doing this because you can't like shit on poor people anymore? Like that <laughs> that's that's why you're doing that. Uh, no, it's the natural order must be restored. And of course, their natural order is one of hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kind of have to have that. So, that, yeah, that's kind of that's a fun way that we can do it, actually. If we again, if this were a narrative conceit, you start with like younger people who are like, oh, I guess this socialist utopia is kind of cool. But then like there's underground rumblings and there's just the allure of rebellion is enough to get them like looking at it. Right. And then they fall into the movement and then they suddenly realize, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. this is awful. This is not what I want at all, actually. Yeah, I could also see it like this faction relying on what I brought with mine about the aesthetics. If they're like how how normally it would be like you would find these like rebel graffiti things all over or like people trying to create art as part of a a movement. But Mm. these people are actually scraping away stuff to reveal like the advertisements Uh, and the logos and all that. Oh, that actually is this power, you know, because like, then their weapon might be propaganda, like mm-hmm. painting back the ideas of capitalism into the environment. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, I, I like the idea that it's not painting back, it's stripping away the artistic mm-hmm. coverings. Mm-hmm. Oh, because maybe their method is opposite, you know, like yes. they're taking mm-hmm. off. Oh, I yeah. see. They're right. taking the art that's been drawn by the socialist. Exactly. And it. then, yeah. like, you know, taking a chemical stripper uh, and just like mm-hmm. scraping the paint off. So, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that because it's it's nullifying an artistic expression, right? It's right. not adding anything. It's, it's removing. yeah, which is exactly what capital yeah. is. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's that that's a great idea, Courtney. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, we're transitioning over to your first tenant, sir. What do you have for us? 
I just wanted to add clarity because one of the things I could see easily happening, which neither of you have gone that direction, which is fun. Um, one of the things I could see happening is like saying this utopia is actually corrupt or has some dark seed in it and mm-hmm. it's actually bad. Or saying this is a Judge Dredd post-apocalypse, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What I want to say is that this utopia actually is a utopia. And as far as mm-hmm. it has achieved things like post-scarcity, it is not governed corruptly. I mean, I'm sure it has its problems. And like you were saying, there's clearly like a budding remnants of, a, of its past that are haunting it. But mm-hmm. I want to establish that this is a good place that has achieved something good. And I, I would go farther to say it's not just socialist, but it's communist. Mm. Oh, wow. It, it's kind of funny because I definitely had just assumed that it was good. But I, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that you yeah, brought yeah. that in as a like, this is factual. Y- yeah. yeah. So I, I also actively didn't want to like say, oh, it's a corrupt. And like, no, because that's been done to death. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, also, yeah. it's like it's far more interesting because now this isn't a tenet of mine, but it was certainly something I was thinking of. Right. This agent of law. They they seem somewhat fascistic in some ways, right? But they're mm-hmm. a necessary part of a governing body, you yeah, know, where it's right. like you need strict enforcement somewhere, even if it is someone like this, right? Right. So so mm-hmm. I think it is narratively rich to explore something that sees a necessary fascistic element, even though mm-hmm. it, mm, I'm actually thinking that it's not accurate to call it a fascistic element, yeah. but an authoritarian or right. an authoritative mm-hmm. element, right? Oh, yeah, and that's why like, I want to short circuit the possibility of saying like, oh, the way this perfect society is maintained is this fascistic figure like sacrifices people, like something like right. that, mm-hmm. that right, just right, is right. not yeah. really a utopia. Because you know you have the Star Trek episodes where there's very paradisial kind of uh, worlds, but they have some hideous, like totally yeah. unacceptable yeah. thing that maintains them. Like I don't want that. So whatever right. this law person does, like sure, it could be brutal or it could be like very authoritarian but i'm hoping that it's not like fundamentally unethical you know mm-hmm. <laughs> right and that yeah. that's kind of what i thought was narratively rich in exploring was the kind of conflict that arises where it's like we have these ideals and they try and uphold them but they're also like on that border it's like sometimes you can't always do that mm-hmm. right or you it has to be mean? harsh like right. there's a story i was i was playing with a while ago it had like a very futuristic society that was trying to see what what would a communist sci-fi seem like you know and one of the principles i had is that if you violate specific laws that are really important they just exile you from the planet completely because they mm-hmm. can't you know execute you or harm you in certain ways right. they just literally exile you but that that's a pretty harsh thing right mm-hmm. so like that's the kind of things where i think that's acceptable and it doesn't really right. violate an ethical you know dilemma created an ethical dilemma mm-hmm. necessarily we're kind of creating a superman who's not omnipotent right yeah, like, yeah. because the narrative power of superman is a person who has all this power and yet still chooses to do good with it right like that's kind of like the hopeful narratively interesting aspect of superman but exactly when we strip away the kind of like thing that makes him omnipotent it's like this is a person who has all sorts of legal power all sorts mm-hmm. of power in terms of you know like who they're literally judging or or you know whatever but they still have to be that paragon of, you know, the utopia, right? Mm-hmm. So again, that kind of like interplay, that kind of friction that's involved, like that's really interesting to me, I think. So side tangent over, I think that's a really cool and interesting way that we can further explore this kind of setting. Yeah, definitely. And I also wanted to ask Daniel, especially for our listeners, could you like give a 
obviously very brief and simplistic sort of <laughs> differences between socialism and communism. Sure. Maybe I can use the words of Marx himself. There we go. The <laughs> definition of communism, according to him, is a society in which private property has been abolished. Mm -hmm. And private property for Marx doesn't mean personal property. So it doesn't mean houses and right. cars. Uh, specifically, mm -hmm. it means things that produce capital. And capital for him means things that are generally processes or, or properties that create profit without mm -hmm. directly benefiting the laborers who make the thing. So for example, a factory, the laborers work for someone and they're paid a wage, but the factory generates a lot of profit for the owners. And so that's capital. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of ownership would be seized by the state because it basically disempowers the commune. Right. Imagine that every job that you ever had, right? You didn't own it for the most part. Right. But let's say that all the people in a local coffee shop, they all shared the profits, right? Mm -hmm. That you can have. Every, every worker co-op exists, yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. also there's no landlords because there's mm -hmm. no housing problems, you know, like right. also landlord as an occupation shouldn't exist anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and then to answer the question about the distinction between socialism, like – from a political point of view, there's a lot of definitions of socialism, but mm. as far as Marx is concerned, socialism is the state between capitalism and achieving communism. So it's, it's basically, um, there's supposed to be, according to Marx, a violent revolution that achieves communism. So somewhere along the way, you know, you start to do the things that communism requires and that's socialism. Right. As, as Uncle Carl said, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got a, a pretty interesting setup for the world already. Uh, normally, this is where I would kick it back to Courtney, but I wanted to toss in my weirdo one now because I kind of a weird tenet this time. My second tenet is the people who are not satisfied with their lot in life, as Commissar Whisker said, the, the people who dread the attention of the agent, right? Their dissatisfaction manifests in a way that essentially turns them into supernatural creatures. Mm. So, for example, we could have a vampire or a werewolf or something like that. Basically, what I'm interested in is this dread-like figure is also a Van Helsing-type figure where mm. this corrupting <laughs> influence of like capital is They're not like just vampires. Yeah, it's not yeah. just ideological. It's physical. It's literal. It. Awesome. So they're stalking through the city. It's like, oh no, we've got oh you know, X problem. So yeah, that's what I wanted to toss out because I thought that sounded cool as shit. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I just like thought it was so funny. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy I'm getting this reaction because I'm like, this is kind of a weird one, but I kind of fucking love this idea. So yeah. that's what I'm going for. So Mixed with my cultists are like the kind of faction of like, hey, we're trying to revive this ancient thing. It's also like they're trying to revive ancient vampires uh -huh. or mummies mm -hmm. or like an ancient society that has like all sorts of supernatural monsters. The concept of capital. Yeah. Like the yeah. very concept. Oh, I love it. Yeah. The parasitic so ideal underneath it all. You know? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and when I say vampiric, right, or or like when I'm suggesting supernatural – I would like an updated look to this. So it's not like a traditional vampire with fangs or something like that. I'm mm -hmm. thinking like a vampire who is who who has 
the tropes of the vampire, but like updated for a more modern sensibility. Yeah, yeah. There's so many up- mm-hmm. options there. Yeah, yeah. It, right. I want to keep it loose and open because I think uh-huh. that's a cool idea. But that's that's what I want to toss out. Because now I'm like seeing, oh my gosh, like, um, what's the, okay, what's the art style? Courtney, you can give me a hand here. That, mm-hmm. um, is it Art Deco? That's kind of like the Ayn Rand style. Yeah, Art Deco. Yes. Yeah, I can, I'm, I'm like picturing fucking Art Deco vampires. Like, I love it. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I feel like Art Deco vampire is something that you could put into a fucking <laughs> yes. AI generated. Can we do that right thing? now? I'll fucking do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, let's see what happens. Uh, all right. So, yeah, I mean, that, mine's real simple, if not a little bit weird. So, um, Courtney, now we'll get back to you in our regularly scheduled rotation. What do you got for us? <laughs> no, I love that. But, um, yeah, my second one is that there is a technology or magic of some sort that allows the various parts of this civilization to communicate with one another quickly over long distances. But recently there have been efforts by those unsatisfied individuals and groups and vampires apparently uh, to obstruct or even destroy that Mm. so that they're better able to commit their crimes away from the watchful eye of the law interesting Mm. so so they're interested in disrupting communication Mm -hmm. essentially yeah yeah okay now i suppose this is a question that we now have to ask right uh what's the technology level that we're looking at here because I'm I'm expecting something that is somewhat near futuristic, right? Like mm-hmm. Commissar Whiskers doesn't actually give us any kind of like timeline necessary. But I, I my brain, again, because it is so like one, we have dread as as kind of a baseline and two, we have a mm-hmm. communist utopia, right? Like I'm I'm assuming that this has to be like 2200 or something like that, right? Or where where do you see the kind of timeline in terms of technology being. I still am like all over the place with that. I could see mm-hmm. it like future definitely makes sense, but I could also see this being some weird like medieval Renaissance thing or mm-hmm. you brought up Van Helsing. So now I'm kind mm-hmm. of picturing mm-hmm. that sort of era too. I think it could go any way. I just don't know mm-hmm. which one I want to commit to yet. I think there's an opportunity for doing something really wild. like. um because we've done a lot of cityscapes recently, I think, mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. mega cities. Well, and at the same time, like I, I feel like the the feature you introduced of like art having this material effect on the world would push it away from something that's more hard sci fi ish. Mm-hmm. So I almost I'm almost mm-hmm. interested in like an art deco spelljammer kind of planescape world. Like, wouldn't that be crazy if it was like it's not just one city? Like maybe it's like multiple. Not, I don't want to say plans because we do that a lot. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's like a landscape that's not a normal physics kind of thing. Right. Well, uh, remember that one of the tenets that we're working with here as well is the idea that it's built big and wide. Yeah. That's yeah, what I mean. Like yeah. we could play with that. Right. So again, I'm thinking of like Mega City One and whatnot, mm, right? Yeah. But how do we turn that into something that is a bit more? outside the box right or yeah that's different. what i mean yeah I- i'm with you Dan. yeah you were saying art deco so is this like mm-hmm. roaring 20s kind of Whoa, thing with like fun. art deco style skyscrapers and stuff yeah like, that's what i'm picturing maybe but maybe it's like i mean it could still be cityscape like but i just want to be some some factor of like weird to it or it's not yeah. just like a city you know right or just right. a mega city because that's like we've done that so many times mm-hmm. i think there's a reason for it daniel mega cities are cool 
They are pretty cool. Like, what about like, um, what about like, what about, like Mindscape sort of city? Like, I'm thinking, what's that terrible movie? Um, Inception. You know where they like have these wrapped oh. around, like a wraparound. Okay. So maybe, okay, maybe a city on like a, um, like a Ring a, World kind of thing. Yeah, we never one of those. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was thinking. How did you pull that random ahead? That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Something weird. Because that, that at least is like a giant ass circle. It is broad. They built broad, you know, mm-hmm. it would be the grounds yeah. for post-capitalism because that, that would have required some insane capital right. to build. Well, okay, let's keep our deco in our minds though, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, can we use that as a kind of like aesthetic veneer? Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. And then apply that to like ring world, a ring world. Yeah. I mean, I'd be into that. You could even have like the sun, quote unquote, in the center of it because it literally is. But like from a fantastical perspective, like they're kind of removed from that concept. Uh, yeah. It's an artificial sun, by the way. It's not yeah. an actual sun. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool. totally okay with that. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. All right, cool. So we have like roaring 20s aesthetic with mm-hmm. near future technology, right? And we can justify that by saying, well, this is sustainable long term and the ways of the past of corporate greed and consumption led to unsustainable forms of technology. So you could also have it be this interesting dichotomy where using high tech is actually seen as somewhat taboo or seen as like morally unjust in some way. So Mm. If that's the case, then you'll have like this agent who is like, oh, shit, I have to use this technology because the bad guys are also using this technology as well. Right. It's not an arms race necessarily. It's just like maybe there's like a cap or a ceiling to what we're talking about here. Does is that interesting to y'all or is that something that's just like whatever? Um, Maybe we can be more specific, like maybe specifically technology production. As opposed to like just high tech stuff, as opposed to like a laser gun, you know, mm-hmm. using a, a factory or some large scale thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's more in line with the concept. You know? Right. I, I'm just thinking like in cyberpunk, for example, right? Mass mm-hmm. consumption leads to cyber augments being everywhere and commercialized and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. To the point where you're going to get defective parts that crap out on you. And so you'll if you get these new branded eyeballs you will go blind unless you replace them over time Mm -hmm. it's it's about mass consumption that is not helpful in the long run so if we apply that here it's like yeah we don't have cybernetic implants even though we have the capability of creating something like that Mm -hmm. oh so maybe not mass produced products yes exactly so like if you have a cybernetic implant it's because you had like a life-threatening injury and this was the way that mm-hmm. you had to be saved or something like that. Where the right. technology exists, it's just used judiciously. It's used properly to the right. point where it's not like, oh, it's a fashion statement. That would make craftsmanship more important, right? And like kind of back to Courtney's point, like craftsmen make individual things. You know, yeah. Right? yeah. So it could be still it could still be high, still high be high tech, but it wouldn't be like mass producer. Say like you have a craftsman produce a thermal jacket that someone wears for cold mm-hmm. weather right mm-hmm. that one was made specifically for you or for a small set of people whereas right. there are factories that could generate ten thousand of them but we don't use them yeah. that way you know another way to look at it too is like if there was that technology for automated production but it was repurposed to actually make things that last yeah. as long Ooh. as they should yeah. so like instead uh-huh. of the forced obsolescence of 
like no, for no. example today's capitalist world <laughs> um where you know we have the capability of making products that last for fucking ever but yeah. because of greed they they basically make stuff a break after a certain amount of time right so if that was like turned or force into, you into a subscription service for yeah it, right? exactly like, appliances have that shit now <laughs> i know it's like what's going on yeah. anyway it's yeah. Great. yeah but um yeah so if they actually use that in the way that it should be used mm -hmm. which also mm -hmm. then leads to like people then have more free time to pursue stuff like the arts and creative mm -hmm. pursuits because they're not constantly you know working towards buying the latest whatever yeah. I, I'm so glad you went there because I'm like, yeah, of course, if we have this technology, it means that we're going to have a lot more free time because like we're going to get to that point where humans will really only have to work 20 hours a week because we have mm -hmm. all this technology that's automated and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. That totally yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. And then you can also have, you know, those craftsmen that you were talking about, mm -hmm. Daniel, like the people who do these like really high quality things maybe uh, they they customize mm -hmm. things for you so that mm -hmm. instead of everybody walking around with like the same branded t-shirts or whatever like you can get stuff that really suits you as a person that yeah or you just make it yourself yeah because you yeah. have the time to learn how to do it <laughs> sure yeah know? and then yeah applying like the whole aesthetics related to function you could do mm -hmm. all sorts of things with that too see i'd like to live there now I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. I have a dumb word in my head and I need to toss it out there. It's called a techsmith. It's yeah, not a blacksmith. It's someone yeah. who makes like artisanal like uh -huh. technology or like electronics, basically. Mm -hmm. If this is like a kind of fairly high-tech place because they're on a freaking Niven ring, I bet they have like maker technology or like printers, oh, yeah. you know, like yeah, super yeah. sophisticated 3D printers. Mm -hmm. And they can certainly use those to make critical infrastructure components to print stuff, but they probably don't want to use it to print individual products. Right. So that's why they, 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 that's kind of forbidden. Yeah, it's like yeah. forbidden to do mm -hmm. that because we know we can make long lasting materials with them instead of doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then on the same point of the giant ring, you talked about communications technology. If it's big enough to encircle an artificial sun, that's an insane distance to travel. Like we're yeah. talking about yeah. like the space of an inner solar system, basically. Mm -hmm. So that would mean you would need um, ways to travel that were either really fast or kind of network infrastructure that deals with like faster than light almost communication, right? Because if, mm. if I'm mm -hmm. on the Earth and you know, the surface of this thing is Earth to Mercury or Earth to Mars, there's a delay there, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so that could be part of that technology, you know? Interesting. Cool. Okay, first of all, it has to be a train of some kind. Like, it has to be like a train that is on, <laughs> there's the inner ring and the outer mm -hmm. ring, right? So so there's two train, well, there's multiple trains, obviously, that run parallel, but they're basically like the fastest monorail that you can get on, right? Yeah. Oh, I like a monorail. Yeah, monorail seems kind of on theme. And also, if you want to go with like Anne Randy and like, yeah, in exactly. aesthetic, I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, of course, yeah. that's like, that's kind of what you want to go with, right? Weird and steel. That must mean there's some special steel here. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll we'll leave that up to the to the libertarians Daniel. <laughs> you know I, I i detest her but I, I actually like her novel like and i like her as a writer which i, I know is terrible to say you, no that's fine you can appreciate art and still detest yeah, the artist i mean exactly. like, that's yeah, absolutely yeah. It, was like, it just yeah. i mean a lot i know a lot of people hate her writing because it's like clunky and dense but i don't know there's something about her writing that i actually like 
I'm not here to judge you for that, Daniel. Look, <laughs> if I can like Roman Polanski, even though he's a fucking monster, then you can like Ayn Rand, yeah, okay? Hey, hey, look, fucking, it's a good movie. He, he makes good movies, okay? Like, yeah, I know he's I awful, understand. but like, come on, Rosemary's Baby still holds up. I mean, I'm right there with you. Art's art. It has a separation, you know? Sometimes it's hard to separate, though, like, for example, uh, well, you know what? I'm not even going to get into that. that, that that's, <laughs> a, that's a fucking side conversation yeah. that will mm-hmm. last forever. So we, we've we still got Art Deco vampires to get through here. But mm-hmm. before we move on to that, let's talk about communication, because you're suggesting that they're trying to knock out communication and gain control yeah. of those areas through yeah. that kind of lack of communication. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you said, Daniel, communication is going to take time. So what's what's kind of interesting about that is that there is there's room for error, right? So if they're so far away from people like, oh, we haven't heard from this place in a couple of days, right? Oh, that just might be the relay taking time or something Mm -hmm. like that. There's some plausible deniability there, but it's like we haven't heard from this colony or this area in a couple of weeks. Send the judge because by then, you know, some shit has already gone down. And so a response team is then necessary for them to go to. And that's actually an interesting way that you can literally frame this as an RPG, right? Mm -hmm. And it's modular too, where, Oh, we haven't heard from them in a while. Send them out to this area. Okay. What do we know about this area that we're going to? And then you get the mission rundown. There's so many interesting things that you can do with that. Yeah. And the train, you know, you can envision that however you want. Like I can see, we have to get on that train to go to the inner ring. And it's like, you know, the train could be a literal train. It could be yep. like some kind of weird teleport pad. It could be like mm-hmm. I want literal train, by the way. <laughs> it could be one of those crazy like energy transport rockets, like an Epcot or something. Who the hell knows? You know, or or mm-hmm. the, the tubes from Futurama. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So the reason I like the idea of an actual train is because then you can have stuff happen on the train in transit, right? Right. And, and mind yeah. you, because we're so far in the future, the technology is like oh it might seem interplanetary distance, but it's basically like, Oh, we're taking a luxury cruiser. So, Oh, it's going to take a day or two to get over there. Even though the distance actually traveled is closer to interplanetary distance. Mm -hmm. Like a less sadistic, um, snow piercer, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to say a not at all sadistic. snow piercer. (laughs) It should be not at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or or what's that show? Galaxy nine. Is it with Hugh, um, glory? No, no idea. <laughs> it's Hugh Laurie. It's like a space. Cl- You're talking about Red Dwarf? No, it's new. It's um, oh, it's like a, know, a yeah. air, what's the word for like a fancy plane, like a something liner or a fancy cruise liner. Cruise liner. It's kind of like a cruise liner. Is that what they're called? It's called Avenue Five. There it is, Avenue Five. <laughs> <laughs> what did you call it? Galaxy Nine. Galaxy Nine. Close. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was picturing when you said like a nice, pretty mm. train, you know, monorail. Yeah, like that's what I'm interested in is this idea that it's like b- because I was thinking about this when I was traveling recently, right? Where, like, I went to Europe, and back in the day, in order for me to go to Europe, I would have had to have boarded a cruiser and spent like several weeks just to get over to Europe, right? In order for me to get over there and have my vacation or like a week or a couple mm-hmm. of days. And that that idea kind of fascinates me to replicate that, but over like interplanetary distances where you can have your own little mini adventure while you're on the train, you know, hobnobbing with people as they're traveling. And it's a glamorous thing as well. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of interesting stuff that you can do with it. 
I also like that it brings focus onto what in this setting would definitely be public transit. Yes. As opposed to private vehicles. And Mm -hmm. I I do think that's kind of key for the setting. It's like communist utopia. I also want uh, airships because this is Art Deco. And I feel like it fits. (laughs) That's for short distance travel. Yeah. yeah. Long distance travel, you got to hop on the light speed train. Yeah. Well, not light speed, but you know what I mean. Well, actually, it could still be light speed, technically, I guess, right? Daniel would tell me all about that, I suppose. Daniel, (laughs) you've been summoned. (laughs) I mean, you would probably have, for the long speed, the train, I imagine, is like supra light speed, so like slightly faster than light speed, but then like interplanetary probably be like low light speed, you know? Okay. We'll have to do the math on this later, but like from here to Mars, going light speed, how long would that take? Oh, I can look that up. But just by comparison, just remember that like light takes like eight minutes to get from the sun to us. So it's not huge. Like if we're going at light speed. So so right. I mean, I feel like if our I can look it up while we're talking, but I feel like if our um, rail works by light speed, then we could probably get throughout the solar system pretty quickly. Right. And then sublight speed would be your airships, I guess, that take months and such to get from A to B. Right, right, right. So let me I'll do some Googling in the meantime. OK, <laughs> let's yeah. See. Well, Mars. unfortunately, Daniel, you're the last one with a tenant. Oh, okay. so, oh three minutes. Three minutes. Three so, minutes? Pretty quick. To Mars, yeah. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> okay. So we're actually sub light speed then. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. don't need to be that fast. We then. don't even need to be light speed then. Yeah. Right? yeah. Cool. That's good because then it actually makes it easier to deal with. We're not yeah. dealing with like contradictions. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, well, that's good. Yeah. We're sub light speed here. So it'll mm-hmm. take like. I don't know. You want to say like two weeks to get to Mars, something like that. Yeah. So then we've got like some sophisticated spaceship kind of monorail deal. Right. And I'm talking like distance, mind you. It's not like actually going to Mars from here, because remember, we're all in one big ring yeah. world here. We're all in a big yeah. circle. Even if you made that a flat plane, I can't imagine it. I mean, I could be wrong, but I can't imagine it extending beyond Mars as far as point to point. You know? Right. Right. So this is probably like the furthest we're going to have to travel. Exactly. Right? Yeah. OK, yeah. great. Look at this. We're doing science over here. All right. <laughs> so, so, Daniel, go ahead and knock us out. What's what's the final tenet for this episode? I had I had one, but I want to give everyone an option because I feel like it could just not be worthwhile. So I ha- I'll give you an option of two <laughs> and you guys can decide which one you want. OK, well, well, hit us with the one that you don't want to present to us first, because that's okay. frankly what I'm more interested in. Because you know me, I like the challenge of forcing uh-huh. something to work. So, and now the the key word in the sentence is not meant to be taken literally. So what I had okay. was it, an alien threat from outside the society threatens to destroy their way of life. So alien okay. can mean foreign in some way. Interesting. And, and the second one. Alternative to that, because I'm thinking about the law, is that perhaps the law is substantiated in some form of artificial intelligence. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. So alien, of course, being metaphorical here or perhaps literal, whichever one makes sense for us. Right. Where I am, I I would prefer a metaphorical alien. Yeah. I don't know about the rest of you. Yeah, I think so. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we combine those two, Daniel? Why don't we have the existential threat, the alien force be a threat to the AI law that's going on Mm. or something like that? Maybe. That's kind of neat. Yeah, I think I like that's that. kind of a fun way that we can kind of approach it. Maybe maybe um, the law in some way relies on a form of AI decision yeah. making because you've got such a huge mm. landscape to deal with and a lot of people's priorities and in communism, like 
the bureaucracy of the state still exists, even though the state doesn't exist. Oh, in the but sense it's of, sped like, up. The process is sped right. up. Mark- yeah, to the point where it's actually functional. Right. And there's huge populations. So it's like, yeah. it could be a way of using AI for bureaucracy. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of um, iRobot, the book, not the movie. I haven't seen the uh-huh. movie, but in iRobot, it follows this progression of robotic technology from like very yeah. basic stuff all the way up to full on artificial intelligence and I guess spoilers for this old book, but one of the kind of laws of robotics is, um, what is it like, do no harm to humans or like essentially aid humans in the best way. And it ends up that AI robotic people end up taking over secretly because that is the best way Mm -hmm. to keep humans from being harmed is if humans are not in control, essentially. Which makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, all hail our AI overlords. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I see what you mean, right? But like, I can't full throatedly support something like that. I mean, I could see in this world because it's so complex. Like, we're talking mm-hmm. the surface area of the inner solar system. That's insane. Right. That's bigger than yes. the sun, right? Yeah. So, so if that's possible, like, in order to coordinate that and to not have like interstellar systems, which is what would Mm -hmm. devolve into you'd probably need some distributed intelligence but that also points back to courtney's technology that makes the communication Uh, almost instantaneous because in order for the ai to operate on that scale to be able to communicate with itself as one thing you would need faster than light communication so that must be how it functions you know so disrupting it would be disrupting the law Oh, like that. that's good. That's I awesome. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, you're taking anarchists, you know, but they just so yeah. happen to be fascist anarchists. That's all. <laughs> but, but like knocking out communications is a way to knock out like law. Yeah. The law. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, or the, the, the superstructure that protects, that makes the law have physical. Cause like in, in the communist state, you don't reinforce class through violence, which is what we mm-hmm. do now. Like right. if I if I steal from from someone, the way the state enforces that, yeah, the way the state enforces <laughs> that is through violence. So in this society, right. I don't know how they enforce things, but it seems like the AI intelligence is what does it. That mm-hmm. question will be answered in the next episode, I'm sure, yeah. because that's something that we definitely need to talk about. Because I agree with you entirely. Because yeah. if we're going to have a utopian society, then rehabilitation needs to be the ideal, right. not right. punishment, right. right? Yeah, which means that you might have a you know, a rogues gallery of recurring villains or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Or alternatively, you can actually have redemptive arcs or mm-hmm. you can have villains who come back and aid people in the actual good because they actually are good. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. all sorts of things that you can do with that. So yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that next episode though. Yeah, I, I really like that. And um, too, I like the idea that AI is so necessary for keeping the law functioning because Agreed. when you do have something like this large and you're trying to enforce equality and egalitarianism like you need something to notify you of like the implications mm-hmm. of every single action like if you do x over here how is that going to affect this group of people over here and yeah. it's it's sort mm-hmm. of like impossible for like a, a human to keep all of that in mind but when you have this ai that's overseeing everything it actually makes that possible Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like I said, it, it makes bureaucracy go from like a process that takes months or weeks mm-hmm. or even days and it simplifies that down to yeah. seconds. Right. Yeah. So it, it allows bureaucracy to function because it removes that human element, that human error, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But we still have to figure out what the alien force is that's interrupting this AI thing. Or do we want to just drop that entirely? I mean, it could simply be the corrupting influence of your rebel. Oh, yeah. I think that is foreign enough to the way it's set up to satisfy. Okay. It could also be like, I mean, I assume that given this civilization is established on this ring world around an artificial sun, like. They must have originated elsewhere. So maybe mm. the originator group is coming and they're, they're evil space capitalists or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the original society that yeah. preceded this? Oh, that's yeah. interesting as well. I mean, that could, yeah, I think I think that ties in the dovetails, right? Because the, the rebel, we established that the rebel capitalists are essentially trying to resurrect that, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And now, again, I we're bringing it back to prestige television. <laughs> this is something that is hinted at in season one, but doesn't actually start to happen until like yes. season three or four. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're still in season one. Let's focus back here. Okay. I love this. I love <laughs> this setting so much. I'm very excited about this. Let's go ahead and do a quick recap. So, Courtney, you started us off today. What was your first tenet? Uh, yeah, that was that those decorations that residents have been creating on the relics mentioned in the the prompt aren't purely aesthetic because mm. here the visual nature of objects relates to how they function. And I brought up the example of the orcs in 40K where uh, they paint stuff red to make it go fast. Right. The log. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do we feel like that's been satisfied enough? I don't think so. I think we've talked a lot about how it could be used and like we tied it in, Rob, mm-hmm. with your idea um, for the sort of rebel group. But I think we could build right. on that more. Let's let's make it a little bit more impactful to the setting, mm-hmm. right? So how, how do we do this? How does this impact everyday life? I mean, I, one question I have is like, how does it actually work? Like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's an issue. That's my first question, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, what what I suggested when Courtney originally brought it up was when you're painting or when you're creating this artistic expression, you're infusing it with uh, intentionality, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're when you're creating something, you're you're also like giving it purpose, and you know, like you're you're suggesting that oh, this color will make it faster, make it stronger do something like that. And it differs depending on how you express that, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's pure artistic expression. I mean, the question I'm more asking is like uh, that. I think that is helpful in knowing how it functions, but like, how does it work on a, on a more sci-fi way? Cause we move more close now to something that has scientific explanation. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like wondering, does it derive from some bizarre technology? Like, what is its basis? Mm. That's my question. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, remember that we're not entirely science-based here because we do have my supernatural kind of creatures as well with the corrupting force. Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe that ties in too. Like, yeah, I was going to. They're like being corrupted by the stuff related? that they're actually seeking, like the, the wealth, the capital, the greed uh-huh. and such. And this is like oh. the opposite. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm curious about. Like, do they have like a common, the common origin and also like, they may not be obvious what the scientific explanation is mm-hmm. to people, but if we do have a Niven giant space ring, that means that we're setting this in a sci-fi. So we have to have some yeah. sort right. of like commentary. Well, it could on be it, sci-fantasy, you know? just, just tossing it out there. But well, okay. So, all right, let, let's think about it this way then, right? Is, is the paint... Well, I don't like this idea because it kind of takes away from Courtney's thing, but mm-hmm. like, I like the idea that 
once the paint is stripped away, that's where corrupting influence starts to creep in, right? So you start to see people who are afflicted by unpainted areas become supernatural ghouls or zombies or monsters, whatever, right? But what that does is that it it takes Courtney's expression and it turns it purely into a restraining force. And I don't want to do that. I think mm-hmm. that we can do something more interesting with this idea. But I like okay. the idea that they're connected. I could bounce off that. We talked about them having, at some point in the past, capitalists had to have developed this maker printer technology, right? That mass mm-hmm. print stuff. Maybe that has the way that it partially works is it requires intentionality. Like when you print something, you kind of like link up to it and you think about the thing you want to make mm-hmm. and you imbue your intention and that's kind oh, of how it yeah. gets generated. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the old maker technology that's out there, the capitalist remnants, that's what they're painting over, quote unquote, and it has a psychic influence. But mm-hmm. the new maker technology, when you paint with it, when you print with it, basically, you're infusing your now communist intentionality over it. And that's why you get like the Lisa Frank communism. <laughs> we had the brutalism that we had before, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And that, that negates the influence of the old remnant, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the maybe it's the printer tech has some sort of bond with its user, perhaps. It could even be mm. that it, it it's an AI unto itself and it yeah. bonds with the person to help print, you know. And the old mm-hmm. AI was designed to create capital. Yeah. What I really like about that from a thematic standpoint is there is no denial of the past, right? Yeah. It's almost as though like, hey, this used to be its function. This used to be how the world functioned. We're not turning a blind eye towards that. We're building upon that and recognizing mm-hmm. it as something that like this yeah. is part of our past and we're moving towards a better future, right? Mm-hmm. Like there is something about like, the acknowledgement of that that I find really intriguing. And I really like that idea, Daniel. It's like an extension of the past, you know, a reinvention right. of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. A reclamation of the past, even like, yes, this mm-hmm. is who we were, but now it's not who we are. And it, we can play now with the, um, the vampire uh, capitalist rebels, like the supernatural abilities, because, mm-hmm. you know, what if they found a way to integrate capital into themselves and that's what transformed them, Ooh, you know? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. really it. Right. Oh, so what they're doing is they're taking that old printer, that old yeah. maker technology and infusing it into themselves. Yes. And that's yes. how the manifestation works. Yes. Yes. We, don't, we don't need to explain that because it's just fucking cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, right. fuck yeah. Let's go. We did it. Oh, man. I definitely peaked the microphone. I'll go, fuck, that's awesome. That's Hell fucking yeah. like, remember, do you remember, Um. oh, what's that theorist? I'm sure you, you've encountered him. Um. He wrote about Capital and Dracula. Oh, what is his name? This is this makes me think it's like literally the sci-fi version of that. Is it Althusser? No. Um, Althusser is pretty old. Let me look it up. Um, Capital Dracula. Oh, it's Frank Moretti. That's it. No idea. I've not. No, heard I of haven't him heard yet. of that. That sounds interesting, though. He tries to talk about Dracula through the lens of like Marxism and <laughs> right. thinks of Dracula and his old money as a form of capital. And like mm-hmm. the corrupting influence of capital. I'm like, oh, this oh, is definitely. like the sci-fi yeah. version of that. I love it. Yeah, yeah. We've we've definitely talked about something like that yeah. in terms of theory and stuff like that. But yeah, absolutely. This works beautifully. I love it. I'm a big fan. Courtney, do you feel somewhat more satisfied now? Have we left you satisfied? Yeah, I think this is great. Great. Uh, and I think it leaves us with a lot of stuff to build on next time too. Excellent. I'm I am stealing this for OSR's sci-fi. <laughs> setting, of course, of course you around. are. Daniel, when it comes I, around, come on! <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Like yeah. once, we, like halfway through this episode, I'm like, Daniel stealing this for us. I'm stealing 100. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Obviously, like, I need a sci-fi on. setting. So like, this would be a really cool one. 
Yeah. yeah well, well, technically, you have um, Ride, the uh, Ride the Lightning as a yeah, sci-fi although setting. I slotted it technically in steampunk, but yeah. it is technically sci-fi-ish too. You know? Could go either way. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. So my first tenant was the remnants of a fascist corporatocracy are rebels. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're the disruptive force. They're the people who are upset with their lot in life, and they're the ones who fear the agent of law, the judge. Yeah. If you will. Mm-hmm. Our fundamental vampire capitalists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've we've made them front yeah. and center. We've talked about them a lot. So yes, I feel like I'm very satisfied with how they've turned out thus far. Mm-hmm. And Daniel, your first tenant. Mine was simply to clarify that the government is a communist and b actually a utopia. Actually good. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then I think we looped back around to, oh, right. I actually stole the center spotlight because, uh, my second tenet was the people who are evil corporate fascists, right? Their greed, their vices, all the bad stuff within them manifests in a way that creates a supernatural being. So I use vampire as kind of a shorthand because it's culturally easy to kind of click to, but like, Realistically, it can manifest in a number of different interesting and weird ways. So that's my second tenet. Yeah, I can't wait to explore that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like again, I wanted like the the law figure to kind of be like a Van Helsing as yeah. well as a Judge Dread. So yes, I think that'd be really interesting. Sci-fi Van Helsing is cool. Yeah, very, absolutely. Very. I thought that'd be really cool to see. And I don't think I've seen that before. Have we seen that anywhere? I'm sure it's been done. I'm sure I've never seen it somewhere. Myself. We just not aware of it. You know? Yeah. Actually, if you've heard about something like that, tell us about it by exactly. sending us a Discord message or emailing us, whatever. It's all good. So, Courtney, your second tenant, remind us. Uh, yeah, mine was about the communication. There's something that allows for uh, rapid communication right, over right. long distances. But recently, the unsatisfied individuals and groups have been trying to obstruct or destroy it so that they can get away with their capitalist crimes. Yeah. And I feel like we explored that really well. It also pops up again in Daniel's second tenet, mm-hmm. which was. And uh, a couple of things that I, I alien or foreign threat threatens the society's way of life and that um, the law is somehow determined by artificial intelligence, which mm-hmm. we we determined um, that that technology, the faster than light or near light or faster than light communications is necessary for the law to function as a bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And that um, the monorail also comes out of that. Yeah, I I think that we've we've managed to create a really rich, interesting setting thus far. And I'm really excited to see how we explore it more in the second episode. Yeah, I really love how this is going so far. It's very cool. Absolutely. So a big thank you to Commissar listeners for this setting. And to end the episode, we're going to roll for the twist. And the twist for this episode is... Please not animate, please. Uh, <laughs> so our twist for this episode is now remove some blood sacrifice, a.k.a. <laughs> make it nicer. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Huh. I completely agree. Yeah, uh, this is the anti-Courtney <laughs> twist. Just like add some anime is it's the anti-Daniel twist. Oh, yeah. um yeah so that's that's an interesting one we get to make it nicer somehow i think we kind of already hinted at that a little bit Mm -hmm. from our previous conversations but 
I'm very excited to see what we do to reconcile this. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that if you want us to build your world like we did with Commissar Whiskers, you can always go ahead and email us or go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to come and follow us on social media, we are on Twitter at Let's World Build. Or you can come and join our Discord and chat with us more directly where we will be more apt to respond to your questions and all that good stuff. You can come tell us all about everything. It's fine. Yeah, just come join our community. It's fun. It's cool stuff. And if you're feeling particularly generous or you just want two episodes for your setting or you want any of the other myriad fun things that we give our Patreons, you can go to our Patreon with a link for that in the description of this episode or over on our website. And with all of that out of the way, that's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much and we're going to get through this together until next week. Bye.